Welcome to Revival in Jesus' Way. Revival can happen now when you follow the way of the Master in all aspects, making disciples in His way, reasoning for truth in His way, and walking in the power of the Holy Spirit as He did. We encourage you to dream big for God's kingdom. I'm your host, Tim Cahoe. And I am Ying Yan Xu. Welcome back to Revival in Jesus' Way. Now we are at episode 24. Uh, the 13th episode of Foundation Series. Again, Foundation Series is a series we want to see new Christians um, can have uh, to uh, to set up the foundation so that they can really grow well. Uh, also, we want to see those disciples of new Christians um, that um, they, um, they will have a full list of um, major topics to set new Christians on. Mm, yeah, and um, yeah, just to reiterate uh, what we've said in the past too, we we get this uh, idea of a foundation series really from what we see in Acts, especially from the apostles when the way the things that they refer back to, you can tell that they they taught and and talked about all of these things um, we're talking about with people very early on in their faith, and which is probably why those talks back in those days, like it seems like they went on for a while because. They thought it was so important to get all these points in with a new believer so they could really understand what this faith was all about. Yeah, and like Hebrews 6, 1-2, to 2, uh, Paul gave um, a not complete list of uh, different topics that new Christians should, should be equipped on. Mm. Um, so the first one is repentance, repentance mm. of sin, and then to really have faith to follow Jesus. But then what kind of a faith, you know, um, that's we, we talk in a different episode. Um, and also the uh, about baptism and baptism of the Holy Spirit um, and the future kingdom uh, resurrection, mm. right? So all those things, but it's not an exhaustive list there. Uh, but we think from, of course, the New Testament gave us the, exhausted list mm. for that and that's how uh, the foundation series uh, come out so today we want to focus on talk about jesus our lord and also this person mm. um and easter is coming and uh, mm. uh we, we didn't deliberately plan that but uh easter is coming so we want to talk about do you really believe that uh jesus character and his life can be imitated by ordinary people, mm-hmm. uh, and this is this is the question: yes or no. You know, it's very important. And also, we want to discuss some key points new Christians should know about Christ in order to start a normal kingdom life. Now, we oftentimes hear um, about comment like, "I think Jesus will understand I am merely a human." Now, when you, have you have you heard about that? Mm, yeah, yeah. I think we we've heard that before. You know, in several places where you have people who will refer to Jesus's humanness mainly to talk about oh how well Jesus understands. Like especially when you if you start to delve into those areas of maybe personal sin or 
you start to talk about sometimes even you just start to talk about your own spiritual disciplines or something like that and people there's a feeling sometimes people have kind of a guilty feeling as soon as they hear that it's kind of like oh i know i should be doing that and then they'll say well jesus understands so he understands how busy you know human life is he understands you know how i feel and that i'm really trying you know that it i think that's brought up a lot by people yeah so usually that's that's that is that will be the context so we think the right doctrine is Jesus is 100% human and 100% God. Mm. Um, and we can also hear some different saying that maybe Jesus is 50% human, 50% God. So uh, what do you think are the differences? What is the big deal about it? Yeah, and um, I mean, just talking about church history too, um, around 400 AD is when... Um, someone called Leo the Great, who is kind of a prominent figure in church history. Some people will like refer to him as like the first pope for Catholic people, and some will just refer to him as like one of the greats in church history. But um, this was actually during his lifetime, a big debate in the church um, was about like, what does it mean that Jesus is both God and man? And there were debates because there were some wrong beliefs that were springing up in different places about what it is. Um, and I think that what, what we've tried to do is just break it up in a couple of different categories of how people can think about this. Um, what was decided in that council from scripture was that Jesus is 100% God. He's all God. And he's also all human. When he became a man, he became, he fully became a man. Um, some of the other views would be, you know, basically that Jesus is some portion man or some portion, you know, God, even, uh, you know, one of the the kind of competing beliefs would be like that Jesus is 50%. He's half God and half man. When he became a person, he, he took on that much humanity, but he still stayed like 50% God. And this sounds kind of right, but then the implications are wrong because it, it actually gets into, and I think it gets into the way people a lot of times think about Jesus' humanity and divinity because they think, oh, well, Jesus is only half God or he's only half man. And so, He's half God, and so that means that the things he did in his life were things completely not possible for me because I don't have that half it's you know, divine. It's easier for him to not sin. It's yeah. easier for him to make the right decision. That's right, yeah, because he, because he wasn't really a whole person. But actually what we see in Scripture is very different. It says that you know, the Word became flesh. It took upon flesh. It became, it became a fully human person who was just like us. It said just like us in every way. You know, and he was tempted, but did not sin. Um, so there's this, uh, but there's this fully humanness that Jesus had. He, he wasn't, he didn't kind of like, and he never gave up in his divinity. It talks about that he came down and he humbled himself. But it still says the fullness of God dwells bodily in Jesus in Colossians. You know, it talks about that fullness. You know, it, it, he never lost the fullness of what it meant to be God and his character and who he was. So saying that maybe he, you know, lost some divinity when he became human is also wrong. You know, so really, if we agree with the scriptures, we have to say that Jesus was completely a person just like we are. He was a human. He was no less human than any of us are. And also he was no less divine. He was still fully had the character and, um, and mind and agreement and unity with uh, God um, and was God um, when he was on the earth. So how would you say nowadays... Uh, the major misunderstanding about uh, Jesus' identity. 
How how do you think? First, how do you think people usually take the human part of Jesus? I think that, like you said, like、uh, probably the biggest thing that、um, people will take is, is right that Jesus can sympathize with us, and the scriptures say that right. It says that. Um, he can sympathize us with everything in in that verse where it says that he was tempted in every way, just like we are, but without sin. You know, Jesus is was fully a person. You know, he was fully experienced life as we experienced it. But then people a lot of times use this to try to say, "Oh, well, he understands everything," kind of like in my perspective, like he so understands. So let's keep on saying. Yeah, let's keep on saying, like, "Oh, he knows how hard it is for me to overcome this particular sin." So it's kind of okay if I don't, you know, like oh Jesus knows, Jesus really knows me, and and so I think yeah, like a lot of times people use the sympathy of Jesus as one of the main factors of what it means that he was human, and then the other side I think people will usually admit to the theological side, you know, people kind of know that part too. They'll say, well, Jesus was human so that he could die for the sin of all of us humans, you know, like people understand that part. But that that's true. Yeah, that's true,、um, and then the sympathize part is partially true because Jesus does know what it's like to be human, but he also knows what the standard is and that the standard needs to be fulfilled. And also, he had the victory. Yeah, he had victory、because、in every if, way. If he's one hundred percent human, then it's not easier for him to not sin, to reject、uh, temptation, to、mm. make the right choice. That's right. Yeah. So, and and that's kind of the point of what we're. Talking to too, and and we're we're kind of getting to is that Jesus being fully man, fully human.、Um, what the scriptures try to say with that is that he was also fully an example. Jesus, a lot of times in his teaching, he talks about this kingdom life, this way that we ought to live, and that that we ought to follow him. This is so big, and we'll talk about this later when we talk about Jesus's method. But he he called us to follow him, to imitate him. To be like him, and in every way, like he didn't limit to oh, be like me in this way. He he may said imitate me as a person. So the his personhood, him coming and being a person, was also to show us what it's like, and then to expect us to really begin to kind of move ourselves into that mold. Now he gave us tools to do that. Like he gave us new life. He you know he conquered death for us, for instance. He took away our sin. He paid for our sin. He rose again and was the first fruits. You know that he set that example for us. That now there's this resurrection life that's in front of us, and he also sent the Holy Spirit when he went to be with the Father, so that we would be equipped to be able to live this life. But him living out this life, him being human, a big part of that was God's plan to show us what it's like to truly be human and how we can live out the way Jesus lived out. Yeah, so、um, so I want to clarify that we think that the、um, the idea that Jesus came for this mission of、uh, salvation and he died on the cross in the human body, painful,、um, and he suffered a lot, and he has to be a human being to die in our place to save us, and this is all. True.、Mm-hmm. This is、yeah. the truth, but not the whole picture of Jesus' humanity. Exactly. I think this is a good point too, because it's so often. I think it's easy for people to fall into, like taking a half truth 
and then feeling like, oh, because this part is true, then I have the whole truth. But actually, there's more to it than that. And right? Stop there. Yeah. So, so that's yeah. So so that's what we want to clarify mm-hmm. that this part it is true, and but we need to see the whole picture. That's right. Um, and then the second question is, how do people um, nowadays usually take the divine part of Jesus? Mm, yeah. So I, I think that they typically take it almost like the we talked. A couple of times on this podcast about uh, once saved always saved but you know like the sustainment of the saints that kind of idea that jesus is divine that he's able to keep us you know he's able to keep us in the faith he's able to keep us in relationship with him keep our salvation secure i think a lot of times we think of the his divinity in that way just kind of like his ability to, to keep it so it's like he well finished the salvation work almost automatically with or without people's cooperation mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he's he's very strong he's um he is able to keep us and that's the i think that i i too have that um understanding that when we talk to people that's the main part of um people take on the truth of 100 percent god mm. so um, so we make this episode not just mainly to refute some cliches we just mentioned there. Um, we do have a agenda today. We do have an outline. Is we want to talk about uh, Jesus' origin, who he was, and mm. what that significance. Uh, what the significance about it? And then the second part, we want to talk about what he taught about himself. And then uh, we want to discuss about his way, his method. Now let's start with part one. So um, the kind of origin story that we get for Jesus is is shown again and again. It's it's kind of a pattern in a way you could say that we see in the Gospels, and we also see it pretty clearly when Paul um, writes about who Jesus is, especially in Romans, um, where the, well, they'll talk about who, that Jesus is the son of David, that he's very human. You know, he had a mother and he had a father. He was raised as a little kid. You know, he was he kind of grew up in wisdom. Um, you know, he, he grew up and learned as he was growing. So Jesus was this person, but also that he was divine, um, that, that he was the son of God. So like um, in Matthew, for instance, in the beginning of Matthew and in the beginning of Luke, we have a genealogy or we have like a listing of Jesus' ancestors um, that goes that goes back and shows that he's a son of David, that he's a rightful heir to the Davidic throne or the Israel's throne. So like he was, he's a heir to that throne. He's also a human being. So we see that. But then in the same, in chapter one of Matthew, in verses 22 and 23, he writes, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken to the prophet. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So this um, Emmanuel, like God with us, like he was born a person, but he was, but this conceiving of a son was this bringing God into the world. Like this is, this is really a key that Jesus is both, coming into the world he he's also has this origin that he's been with god um but he has this other origin that he was born into this world as a son of david um john particularly focuses on the divine part at the beginning of his so he kind of mixes up the other gospels will start with the human part 
and then move into the divine part. But then John starts with the divine part and moves into talking about the human part. And um, and John and part of this is because I think John is John kind of reaches out to some different angles about who Jesus was and kind of gives us some perspective more about the the God side of who Jesus is. Um, and so in John one. In verses 1 through 4, John writes, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So John starts out by talking about Jesus as the Word. You know, He's the, the light, the light of men. You know, he was, He's been around since the beginning, you know, in the beginning. You know, as, as long as time has gone on, Jesus has existed as his eternal word with God the Father. He's And he is God in his essence. It says not only has he been with God, but he is God. So like this is that other side, along with being born on the earth, that Jesus is someone who's been around forever. You know, he's been with God the Father. He is God in his nature. And then John 14, uh, or John chapter 1, verse 14, he transitions and said, Then that word from God became flesh and dwelt among us. So again, we see this shift, this two origin stories that collide and come together, that it's this, he's the son of God who's been with God, and then God through his plan has now at this moment, at the right moment, brought him into the earth as the son of David, the rightful heir of the kingdom of Israel, the kingdom that he established that we read about in the Old Testament, the kingdom he established to show himself to the whole world. Now God is fulfilling many of the promises and prophecies he gave to Israel through this Jesus, through this moment where he's coming into earth as a man. And so this is also where we see the Old Testament and the New Testament connect, as God has done all these things through Israel, which are very important for us to learn as Christians. And he's bringing all of those things that have happened previously now into a kind of fulfillment. You know, there's a, it's kind of this bringing out this whole new amazing chapter in God's work in the world. Um, And then in Romans, we see the same thing, um, especially in uh, the beginning where Paul is talking about himself and giving his greeting. So verses one through four, he says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets and the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh, and was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. So, again, we see with Paul, when he starts out this great book of Romans, which is to a church that he hasn't really met yet, he um, starts and he explains out a lot of the gospel in it in in a lot of detail. Um, We see him start with wanting to establish who is this Jesus, what is his origin, and he said he was born the son of David, um, according to the flesh. And then he was declared the son of God, so in power, through the spirit of holiness, by his resurrection from the dead. So that he talks about both sides, that this Jesus is both the son of David, and he's also the son of God. He's also this, this holy son of God, this who came into the world um, and rose from the dead, showing that power as the son of God, and he's our Lord. So that this origin story that Jesus is both a person, he's fully human, you know, he came into the earth to show us a way. He came into earth uh, in the flesh 
but also that he didn't, that wasn't the first moment Jesus existed. It's very important for us to grasp that too. Before that, he was with God. He knows God's heart from eternity. That's something really amazing that this, this one who is with God from, from all eternity, who has kind of gotten to know who the Father is and has, is part of that Godhead, that mysterious you know, trinity. Uh, he's been with God and he's coming into the flesh. And so now this person, this human being who is like us, um, has this origin of being God and is God and is now able to step into the world and, and bring about something completely new. So what this means is that Jesus is both the son of David, a rightful heir to the Jewish nation. He can also fulfill all those things that God has promised through and to Israel. It also means that he's a person who's unique, who can uniquely reforge the broken relationship between God and man. He could also, in being completely human, provide the way for all people that all people ought to live, um, the model from God Himself, and then demonstrate it out for everyone to see. So, taking that model that He knows God's heart and really living it out, everything He was living out was not only in the human body, but it was also living out that model of what God created man to be in relationship to him. And so we, we see that in real life through Jesus' life. Yeah, so the reason for Jesus to to be a human is not merely that so, because he's a human, so he can die for us. Otherwise it doesn't need he doesn't need to dwell among human beings. Mm. He can just come and, and die because that's his main thing. So that's what we said, like it's the truth but not to the full picture yet. Mm, that's right. Yeah. And um when you start to see his origin, you start to see all the things, you know, that when he came into the earth and started, and then you, you do see that there's so much more to him than just coming into the earth in order to die for the sins and kind of connect us back to God, just that. But there's a lot that God was doing concerning his way, his method that he was setting up that people ought to live. They set up from the beginning and created us to live out that Jesus came into the earth to live out and show. It's like um, a human being ask God, like, okay, uh, we our, our life uh, does not meet your standard, but what is your standard? What is the example? Show us a living example. We search the whole earth, you know, you cannot find a human being can can really fulfill your standard. So your standard actually is um, uh, empty, empty words. Mm -hmm. So it's like that, and then God like, hey, I send someone to you, and he does not only model that, he teach about that, like Sermon of Mount, like those kingdom talks, to mm -hmm. talks about like, that's the model a human being ought to be. That's the model human being were created in the first place should be like. Mm, that's right. Yeah, that's right. So, and then that's a good transition into part two. So we, we know who Jesus is, what his origin is, but what, what did he teach? What did he promote um, when he was on the earth? And, and really there's two main areas that are recognized. Um, like the Jesus council, or there was this, uh, there was this study for who the historical Jesus was that went on for about uh, 50 or so years. And it was, um, and, and it was done by both secular and Christians and, it was, they tried to kind of use a regular historical, typical historical method 
discounting his miracles, really. And they tried to say, well, what can we know about Jesus? Um, and so even though we disagree with the methodology of this kind of council, we we see you can what they came up with is that, you know, one thing very obvious about Jesus is he taught about the kingdom of God. So um, this is something that that's just very obvious. It's in most of Jesus's teaching. He teaches about what is the kingdom life? What does it mean to really live out the, the kingdom life? Um, and then the other thing that we see again and again, when you read um, through any of the Gospels, you start to see this pattern of Jesus is trying to see if people get who he is. So both the teaching about the kingdom, what does it mean to live the kingdom life? What is needed for the kingdom life? And then secondly, who am I? Jesus asking them, like, do, do you understand who I am? Do you understand what I've come to do? Do you understand what it means that I'm with you? Do you understand what it means that I'm going to die on the cross? Do you understand what it, it means that I've come into the world, that this has happened in history, and, and what the big change is that comes now that I'm here? Um, those two things are, are really Jesus' central teachings when he's on the earth. Um, and, and one verse that kind of gives a summary of what Jesus' teachings were about um, is John 1 um, and verses 14 through 18. And do you want to read that? John 1, verse 14 to 18. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was him of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God. Who is the father? Who is at the father's side? He has made him know. Yeah. So what the what John writes is like this thing that was central to what Jesus came to proclaim or show is both God's grace and truth together. Um, that Moses came to give you know a demonstration of the law. You know what what is God's standard and. This standard really showed people that we couldn't keep it. Like it was meant to break people, you know, to, to show us that his God's standard is there's something wrong with people. It's like a doctor who gives a physical test, right? And says, hey, try this physical test. And these are all the things a person should be able to do, you know, stretch your arm, you know, this way and do this. And it, it's showing people that we have a problem. We can't keep that. We can't keep the, even the Ten Commandments. And so Moses came to give this law, and now Jesus is giving grace and truth. He's giving the reality of what it's going to mean to live out the truth. And that's going to take grace. You know, grace is um, unmerited favor. It's uh, reaching down to people who don't deserve it. And again, that's what Moses giving the law shows. It shows that there's something wrong, morally wrong, as in we're doing something that is wicked. We're doing things that are sinful, um, even though we were created to not be sinful, we're choosing to go the wrong way. Why do we keep choosing to go the wrong way? And that's the question that should be stirred up when we see the law. But then Jesus has come to provide grace to be able to reach down into our lives, even though we don't deserve it. And then also truth, 
like what is the what is the way what what does it really look like and again he demonstrated this through himself and also through his teaching and this is what's so key too about these two teachings like the kingdom life how people should live and then what jesus does uniquely how he's uniquely coming into that place that he himself is the key to that kingdom life um now one of the uh, major sermons that really points this out and and we have this is one of the major talks we actually give is in Matthew chapter 5 is the sermon you mentioned and the sermon on sermon the mount. The mount. Yeah. And so it's uh it where Jesus really describes out what is kingdom life like? You know, what, what is what is a kingdom person? What does that look like? And he you know, he describes it in front of the disciples in front of this big crowd that is listening in you know, to what he's, him talking to the disciples there. And he's telling them about, these are all the things it means to live out the kingdom life. You know, Jesus talks about like, there's two different, you know, the nets that come in, there's two different kinds of fishes and they separate the fishes that, that aren't good and throw them out. And they, they take the ones that can be eaten and they bring them in, you know, like there's this difference of what is right and what is not right. And this, judgment that's going to happen and it's based on who is are, who is really living out this kingdom life in front of god you know this this deep life that god has created us to live out um so this is a major part of what jesus taught you know who yeah what what that kingdom life looks like is part of what jesus came to proclaim but he also proclaimed that 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 what we said with moses that there's some problem there that um, he showed that the people around like aren't able to quite live that out that you know we always see one of the things that people really like to note is that you see the disciples failing to meet Jesus' standard again and again and what we see is you know jesus is giving this standard what the reality is what we're really accountable for but then there's this discrepancy but they, there but they succeeded later and mm. pretty quickly mm -mm. after that I think uh, something saddened my heart. I think something that saddened my heart is uh, people's comment oftentimes um, say, well, yeah, before in the Old Testament, uh, we cannot live out the kingdom life. But now we also cannot live out the kingdom life, actually. Um, almost like it's just like Jesus came in, become flesh, this thing is all in vain. Mm. Of course, nobody would say that. I hear Jesus come in vain, you know. Um, but uh, most of the Christians I know here um, think living out a kingdom life to really imitate and follow Jesus actually is impossible. If you say it's possible, then almost that, even though that's the biblical uh, thinking, but almost that will get you persecuted because uh, it's like, wow, that's that's prideful. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And and that this is where the second part of Jesus' teaching comes in too. And it comes in because we start to see during Jesus' life, he's teaching, like really teaching about what the kingdom is like, really what kingdom life is like. But then he's also teaching about who he is. And this is this is really important. Um, so we see it like in Matthew 16, um, where Jesus and uh, verse 15, um, he says to the disciples, who do you say I am? And Simon Peter replies, you are Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, 
for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Um, so this this kind of questioning that Jesus does in Matthew 16 is indicative of what we see throughout the Gospels. He's asking, who am I? Who, what do you say that I am? And, and the reason he's doing that, the reason he's trying to lead them to get it about who he is, is because he's the key to this. That, that's a, He's the key to kingdom life. Because Jesus is he's come in now to really live out in front of them what it's like. Like, again, we see the disciples failing, but we don't see Jesus failing to live the kingdom life. We really see him relying on God. We really see him doing ministry and heading out, um, really standing against, you know, the armies of Satan um, and and really proclaiming God's message in the midst of the the Jewish religion that was built up and not living in God's way in the midst of the Roman and the Gentile peoples who were not living in God's way, and he completely proclaimed out God's message. He completely lived according to God's standard. And so he showed the way, but then also he himself is the key to our forgiveness for sins. So the sins that keep us separated from God are dealt with by him on the cross. So getting that he is he is the son of God who came to earth to die for our sins is huge. And then he's also the key that when he rose from the dead and showed us that that resurrection life is our hope, he also sent the Holy Spirit to give us a strength to be able to live out that life. Um, and also the truth, that's, that's why it says he brings the truth and grace. Mm. So oftentimes when, uh, when we talk about grace, sometimes we try to compromise the truth. But that's actually is a insult. Mm. For the real kind of grace, mm. uh, and and the perfect example is, um, the perfect example in the Bible is those apostle story. Actually, their life testimony. Mm. That's a life life testimony that to show um, Jesus' work of uh, grace and truth in them. Mm. Because Jesus didn't lower the training standard from God for them. But then he allowed them to fail. He never really break the relationship when they fail and try mm. to help them to get there. So that's the part of the grace. Mm. Like the grace means that one part of the grace means like people don't deserve it. Mm. So God don't have to do that. Mm. Um, uh, you fail, God can give up on you. Even before all this, even Jesus died, all those those are the grace. Because mm. um, God can give up human being in the first place when Adam and Eve sinned. So all those things is grace upon grace. Mm. It's like something you don't deserve and God gave to you, gave to you. So how dare we to use grace to lower God's standard to cut off part of God's truth? Mm, that's and, right. And that's like very, very evil. Yeah. And so in there... <laughs> in in their in in those apostles' life, that's a great example actually, because Jesus keep on uh, have victory. He keep on have a a good life in front of them, a perfect example in front of them, and eventually they pick that up. Mm. Right. That's right. Yeah, and um, yeah, and, and that's kind of, and we're gonna go into his method. And again, this is a good transition. But yeah, the, the grace and truth, again, like actually this was impossible before Jesus, except that Jesus came in the way he did. Actually, the grace and truth method wouldn't work because God doesn't just give 
his unmerited favor upon sinners. Because God has to deal with the sin, you know, God is a just judge. And whenever a just judge um, sees some evil happening, he needs to deal with it. Like, I, I think of just recently, we're watching a, a show about kind of, that kind of goes into like the kind of an ancient Chinese um, environment. And um, there's a character there who in this last episode, um, like there's this guy who um, is going around trying to rape different women. And it's, yeah, there's another person who's trying to go and do that. And the guy's wife comes in and ends up killing the, the rapist guy who's, you know, you know, done these horrible things. And you feel when you watch that kind of thing, like, oh, this is justified. This is right. Because this kind of evil, when someone sees it, who, when a righteous person sees that evil, they shouldn't just stand for it. And God can't just stand for evil. He can't just say, well, I'm a God of grace. And so even though like you, all this bad things that you've done, I'm just going to let it pass. It had to be dealt with. And Jesus came to be the one who really could and would take that payment. And so Jesus opened up a method by what he chose to come to this earth and do. He came to take on our sins and also show us the way and also give us the tools to be able to live in God's way. And so that's why I say he's the key to the kingdom. And so because Jesus came in this way to do those specific things, he opened up a method of grace and truth where he could show the disciples step by step how to live out the kingdom life without punishment because he was going to bear the punishment for sins. He could, he could help them to step by step grow in righteousness, because all grow in righteousness means is to eliminate more and more sin. You know, it's to live more and more right, but, but to live more and more right, you have to be in a sinful place. That's what it means, going from that sinful place and continuing in a sinful place until you get to this righteous place where Jesus is, the way that he lives. And so now when we go into this third part about what is his method, um, Jesus um, called people to come and see his life. Um, so uh, we see this in John 1. Um, and I'll just read it real quick. John, John 1, um, verses 35 through 39. It says, The next day John was standing with two of his disciples. He looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them and said to them, What are you seeking? And he said to them, and they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, Come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him for a day, for it was about the tenth hour. So this is, and, and this is what's kind of cool about in John here is we see from this moment and on, actually the disciples, these disciples stuck with him. And then other disciples began to stick with him. You know, the, Jesus' method was first and foremost to bring people alongside and bring them into his training plan. You know, they needed to see him. They needed to walk with him. And actually, we're meant to take on the same method today. Those of us who are really walking in the faith that have come into relationship with Jesus that are growing are meant to take others alongside who are beginning that journey and to begin to walk with them and show them what it means to live out this kingdom life. So um, Jesus called people to follow him. Um, another, there's a, a few different examples I put in here. Um, Jesus, for instance, Matthew 4, 19, Jesus is talking to um, 
Andrew and Peter. And he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. It says, immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, and the boat was Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. So Jesus calls us out of where we were living before to begin to follow after him and to learn the kingdom life method. And, and this is Jesus' pattern. It's to take people alongside and to train them up to be like him. In John 12, 26, he said, Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. And my Father will honor the one who serves me. So you can't just serve Jesus. You can't just say, Oh, I love Jesus. I want to serve him. But Jesus' way was, you know, he said that doesn't matter. It's kind of like what um, God said in the Old Testament to the prophet through the prophets, he said, you know, all these sacrifices you're doing, they mean nothing. He said, obedience is what really means something. And it's that following Jesus. It's it's that learning, learning this life and taking it on step by step. We see the disciples doing this um, throughout the gospels. We see them learning. We see then Jesus sending them out to do the very things he's doing. That's that kingdom life. He's training them and teaching them to live as he lived. He's teaching them to care about the things that he cared about. And it's a step-by-step method. What we don't see, actually, in the Gospels is we don't see a person who comes into a relationship with Jesus and just gets it. Actually, you don't even see that in Acts. You see people need to come alongside those who have been walking in the faith. And then they begin to get it step-by-step. And they work through what it means to really live out the kingdom life. I think this is something we truly miss nowadays. We really miss this whole method thing we're talking about right now. We think it's for the age of the disciples. We think it's for the age of what Jesus did. And we think nowadays we just receive the Spirit, we just are born again, and then we will automatically live out the kingdom life. Or we'll not even automatically live out the kingdom life. Most of the time it's we will automatically just get there. That God will just is just taking care of it kind of behind the scenes. But that's not what we see in the Gospels. We see this kind of commitment that is needed. And not just one commitment. Jesus said, daily, take up your cross and follow me. You know, that's his method, is every day, spend time with me. Spend time with those who are going to train you to be like me. And so this method is something nowadays we can take on in several ways, like spending time with Jesus, spending time with the Word, you know, being in prayer with God, but then also being with those Christians who can really show us how to live out the godly life. This is really living according to Jesus' method. Mm-hmm. So the bottom line belief is at least someone need to believe that Jesus' way, Jesus' uh, character and his um, holiness, uh, his practices can be imitated. Mm-hmm. If that's bottom line belief we don't have, then really someone cannot live a Christian life. Mm. No matter how, uh, just just like imagine, like if people follow Jesus physically at that time, and then they keep believing like, oh, you are so much better actually. Um, uh, we cannot really do, then what are you following him for? Because mm-hmm. he called you to follow him just like a rabbi is to let you become like him. Mm, that's right. Yeah, so, it, yeah, exactly. You kind of, you take away all of the strength of Jesus' method when you say, oh, we can't be like him because he's God. You say, we can't, he's Jesus. He's too far 
away. I, you know, I respect him. I honor him. I worship him on Sunday, but I can't be like him. Actually, when you do that, it's a big disservice to what God is trying to do. And it's a, it's a major problem in the church today. So don't be deceived on mm. that. It's good. And then, uh, so then when we look at Matthew 28, 19 and 20, again, we talk about this verse a lot because it's such a key, crucial verse (laughs) that gets us. (laughs) It's like the crux of from the uh, gospel, the days of the gospel, the days of the disciples into today. Um, This and also in John 17, we'll just uh, read Matthew 28, 19 and 20 real quick, though, first. Uh, it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, I mean, what better summary of Jesus telling people to continue to do his method could you have? You know, how much, how more clearly could Jesus have said it? You know, in what way could he have said it so that it would be more clear so that you might be able to, you know, take it and be able to do it? I think that, like, you know, what when we read in the Gospels the things that Jesus is saying about how the next generations are supposed to take on this method, this method of teaching people, you know, to observe everything that he has commanded them, I don't think there's any way he could have made it clearer. Um, and I think it's really our responsibility to say, how can I imitate Jesus? Um, how can I know him more and be more like him? And then also, how can I begin to help others? to really know him and then to begin to become like him. You know, that that's the charge on our Christian lives. That ought to be the question that in a way plagues us every day is thinking about how can we really do good in this world? And and that doing good means helping people to know him and be like him. So in your ministry practice, do you just do you really just share this part of the truth wisdom? People say uh, this is too hard for a uh, new Christians to 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 get maybe should be more mature Christian. Um, yeah, I don't think that's true at all. I think that we see what we've seen in our ministry is when new Christians are introduced to this early on, they really do get it, and actually, it really changes the dynamic in a way. When a Christian, sometimes when you tell a Christian some of these things, and they're later in their quote unquote Christian walk. Sometimes they really resist these things because the church isn't teaching it. It's just a sign that th- these things are not being taught. But whenever you, we go through our maybe evangelistic Bible study in John or something, we point out, you know, I'll point out these things. We go through topical studies where we talk about who Jesus is. And we point out these things. Actually, when people are set with that kind of foundation, it's th- there's much more obvious commitment that you see, like something similar to like, more similar to what you see in Acts, you know, where you see people, Mm -hmm. they get it right away and they begin, the thing they begin doing is living out the Christian life. They don't begin kind of with a confusion. I think we get in the modern church a lot of times. It is, well, what am I supposed to be doing again? You know, what is this Christian life really about? And and that confusion has to do with the truth not really being taught. Mm -hmm. So, to summarize this, um, why again uh, give us strong reasons? Why do we think again uh, new Christians should have this foundation? New Christians should hear about these things because they're really essential to what living out the faith really is. Um, people need to really hear out the whole thing in order to know what the vision is. You know, people won't just get it. It's in nowhere in Scripture. There's nowhere in Scripture that tells us that people will automatically get these things. They won't. 
people will not automatically get these things. And the practice of the earliest apostles, the practice of Jesus, was to tell people about these things as they're coming into a relationship with him. That was the practice. We see again and again, when Paul talks back to the churches he spent some time with, he always says, just as I taught you. And he refers back to all these topics we're talking about, who Jesus is, you know, just as I taught you, what, what the judgment day is, you know, what it means, the, what the resurrection means. You know, he says, just as I taught you. And so all these things are part of what it means to know what we as Christians are called to do, because we're not stagnant people. We're not a stagnant people. We're a people called with a mission in this world. And that mission needs to be communicated early on so that we can get it and we can get started with the work. So we hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, Please uh, hit that subscribe button and uh, come back for more episodes of the Foundation Series. Um, And then once we finish up with the Foundation Series, we'll continue um, talking about this revival in Jesus way and how you can really live out a life um, for Jesus and with Jesus today. We will get into our how-to series.